Right, it is 9.15, so let's get started. Um, just to remind you, uh, we talked about this last week, but to remind you, uh, on September 12th, uh, what we're going to be starting is the little book, the evangelism book uh, by uh, Nine Mark. So if you're going to, the, the way that's going to work is you'll read uh, the material indicated on the little slip of paper. I made you a little paper bookmark. Isn't that nice? Um, but uh, uh, you'll read the material on the little, uh, by, by the date for, on the paper bookmark uh, before you come. And then, uh, you know, you want to be an active reader, so you want to underline, you want to write questions, you want to mark up your book all over the place. Uh, if you're sharing it with people in your family, you might need to use some sort of different method of marking up, but whatever, uh, figure it out. Uh, but uh, we should have plenty of, plenty of books, um, so if you haven't grabbed one, you haven't grabbed one of these and you're intending to come, it'll be great, uh, be good discussion time. Uh, I've got a stack of them here. There's more in my office too, but I just thought I'd bring this out for now. So you can grab them after if you haven't already. Okay, let's go ahead and um, get started with the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for this day and just pray for strength for all of us. Oh Lord God, pray for help uh, as we gather, as we think about your word, as we um, gather for um, in a little bit, uh, the entire congregation, your church, to um, sing and to hear your word preached and to fellowship with one another, to pray with one another, pray that you would be honored in the activities this morning. Uh, we thank you for this time in your name. Amen. All right, so really today is going to be the last um, uh, section in the Gospel Life series. Um, and really, this should be, I think I said it before, should just be kind of a primer uh, of your thinking, because if the gospel is that which we're continually sinking deeper roots into, that's what fuels our whole Christian life, then we keep revisiting it, we keep growing deeper, we keep clarifying, we keep understanding more and more. So all of the things we've talked about, Christ's atonement, uh, the judgment, um, uh, the goal of the gospel being to bring us to God himself, those are things that you, we keep revisiting and keep coming back to. So really this, this whole uh, series, if you want to call it that, uh, the time we've been talking about this has just been um, the starting point, uh, and you want to keep coming coming back to it. Obviously, we're going to talk about these things a little bit more in the evangelism book uh, as we think about, okay, how do we proclaim this not only to our own hearts, but to others. But the last thing I kind of want to talk about this morning, um, and, and here I'll introduce it with a question. I like introducing things with a question, get you guys thinking a little bit. So how would you respond to this question? Is is there anything necessary subsequent to conversion, to entrusting yourself to Christ, to coming to him truly in faith and repentance, anything necessary subsequent to conversion uh, to making it to full and final eternal life? Is there anything necessary subsequent to conversion, repentance and faith, uh, to making it to the full and final end of eternal life? What would you say to that question? Okay, so first blush, no. What else? Is there anything necessary subsequent to conversion uh, to making it to the full and final end of eternal life? Yes, David. Which is what? Yeah, okay, continue to the end, right? Uh, that idea of perseverance, okay? Uh, would you say any other answers to that question? Uh, yeah, Patricia. 
Yeah, grace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we need grace uh, to make it to the end. Uh, anything else you would you would say? Yeah, Marianne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, knowledge of the Word of God, uh, growth in the knowledge of the Scriptures, really growth in um, uh, the. the um, uh, growth in your relationship with Christ, right? It is a relationship. You have a real, like we said, faith is entrusting yourself to Christ. He calls you to come to him. That's a transaction in a relationship. Uh, you are brought into union with Christ, which is an ongoing relationship, right? So there's, there's an increase in knowledge for the purpose of increasing that relationship. Uh, these are good things you guys are saying. Really, I would use that, that the, um, the thing I wanted to focus on particularly, and it was mentioned, is persevering to the end. Um, now, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, there's, there's kind of two parallel um, uh, railway tracks, so to speak, when we think about um, salvation, right? There's what's going on from God's perspective. So he's uh, elected us before the foundation of the world. He's irresistibly called us. He's um, keeping us secure in the faith till the end. And then there's the parallel railroad track that's think what we see from our perspective, right? How we experience what is really going on from God's perspective uh, in from our perspective. How does that work itself out, right? So if you think about God's perspective, those whom he saves, he keeps, uh, he, he preserves, right? From our perspective, how does that look? Uh, if God's keeping uh, the believer, what does that look like? It looks like, among other things, but this is what I want to focus on this morning, is is perseverance, perseverance to the end, which is a very active word. I like that word perseverance. Uh, perseverance of the saints is kind of that um, doctrinal idea because it implies that uh, we're not just sitting back, but there's action that is required on our part uh, to make it uh, to the end. And so that's what we want to focus on uh, this morning. So to get us starting off with that idea, uh, someone go ahead and read Colossians 1, uh, 21 through 23. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And so when someone has that, uh, go ahead and read it. So um, what do you observe, just things um, that pop out from this description, uh, both related to the idea of perseverance, but just other things that pop out as well as we look at Colossians 1, 21 through 23. What does it say? What does it say with regard to salvation? What does it say with regard to, um, Angela, go ahead. Yeah, so there's, yeah, there's a definitive reconciliation that has happened, right? So that has happened, okay? Uh, what else do you see um, in Colossians one twenty one through 23? Yeah, Tony. Kind of makes a implied contract. 
Right, yeah, there's a change in behavior. What's the specific, yeah, so you highlighted some of the specific language that, that hints at that. What, what is he saying? What language do we see in the text that's, that's telling us about that? Marianne. Yeah, so we were hostile towards it, and there's this change, and here's the key thing, right? You see a definitive piece to salvation that we've been talking about uh, in really 21 and 22. We've been reconciled. We were hostile, but we're reconciled now. Uh, there's, a, there's a future aspect to this as well, right? To present you, the purpose is to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, right? We were brought to God in the end, right? That's all in terms of definitive language. That's from God's perspective what's happening. And then you get this shift in verse 23, right? If you can, indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister, right? So we need to own that if. Uh, that if is there, right? Uh, what is that if talking about? It's talking about perseverance. God has rescued people who are reconciled to him. He's going to bring them to the end. How is that experienced and worked its way out? Uh, how do we experience that? We experience that as perseverance, as continuing in the faith. And even more specifically to what we've been talking about in this uh, class is the idea of what? Uh, what, are you, what are you to continue in? Yeah, stability. What was? Who's? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So Emily said uh, not shifting from the, the hope of the gospel, which we've heard, right? So we see what we've been talking about all along, that how do you persevere? You persevere by keep sinking your roots deeper into the gospel, by keep coming back to those truths throughout your Christian life. Uh, every day, uh, I, you know, as a sinner, I recognize I deserve God's wrath, and yet I've, I look to Christ, I keep coming to him, I keep entrusting myself to him to be able to persevere to the end, okay? Any questions or comments on this idea of perseverance and what we're seeing here in Colossians 1? Yeah, yeah, so you're coming back to, exactly, right? So the gospel and the cross are the ground, the foundation, the basis for the entire Christian life, right? So you keep coming back to that. It's kind of like what we talked about last week. When you sin, you don't say, well, I'm going to clean myself up in order so that I might, um, you know, feel like my relationship with God is better again. I'm starting with the gospel and knowing that only through Christ is my relationship with God anything and then, yes, out of that relationship, from that relationship, I am, um, uh, out of love, uh, working. I am persevering. I am laboring. Perseverance takes work. It does. But it's not a work of merit. It's a work of gift, if you think about it like that. Think of the tree. The tree helps us here. The tree analogy that Jesus and John the Baptist use, right? Uh, a good tree produces good fruit. The foundation of that good tree is faith, that relationship with Christ. But of necessity, it's going to produce good fruit, good fruit of obedience, uh, good fruit of perseverance uh, in the faith, right? But it's fueled from the gospel. It's not, uh, it's not fruit 
uh, fueling the tree, it's the tree fueling the good fruit, right? And that order is essential. And that's what he's saying here, right? Um, if you have trusted Christ, you've been reconciled, uh, then you're going to make it to the end as long as you persevere in the faith. You keep coming back to the gospel. You keep sinking your roots deeper into the gospel. Uh, you're fueled in your obedience from the gospel, uh, and you're stable and steadfast, not shifting from that hope at all. Okay, this is really critical, so I want to make sure we're, we're understanding it, we're grasping it. Any other questions or comments on these ideas? Yeah, Tony. And a law, and remember what we said, right? The law is not inherently bad. It's legalism that's bad. It's a misuse of the law. So Paul is always against, if you're trying to take the law and use it as a foundation for your relationship, essentially you're taking the fruit and trying to make it the root of your tree, uh, that's, that's a problem. That's the legalism. That's, that's bad, right? But if you have that relationship first, by grace, through faith, uh, based on the gospel, then the law is good right, in the sense that it teaches you how to follow uh, what, is, what is God's heart. Um, the application's not going to be the same as it was for Israel, but the heart, the heart of the law and the principle that's there rooted in God's eternal moral character teaches us how to persevere, how to uh, bear good fruit. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's all about which order you put them in, really is what it boils down to. So, yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's see another um, couple passages on this idea. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews. So really, Hebrews, uh, if you were to give kind of one word to describe Hebrews, it's about perseverance. It's about perseverance. Uh, there is uh, Jews, probably the Hebrews probably written to Jewish people, Jewish Christians, who are in Rome uh, under the Neronian persecution. And what particularly, what was significant about the Neronian persecution, it used to be that Christianity was kind of cloaked under Judaism, and Judaism was an old religion, and so Rome's like, okay, it's an old religion, you guys are good, but what tended to happen after the decades followed is that Rome figured it out, and it's like, oh, Christianity is a little different, uh, and so what happened in the Neronian persecution is that uh, Christians were persecuted, but not Jews, and so all of a sudden now you have, for Jewish Christians, a, a strong dilemma, right? Uh, am I going to go back to old Judaism, uh, or am I going to persevere in seeing Christ, right? And, and that's really the whole argument, the sermon. It is a sermon in Hebrews. That's the whole argument of it, and the premise of it is, uh, are you going to persevere in faith in Christ? But it gives us a lot of language of perseverance. Uh, so what I'd like to do, I think, is uh, let's go ahead and um, start in chapter 3, and we're just going to... Um, uh, I want to read through a chunk at a time, so about a paragraph at a time, because you really see this language of perseverance couched in terms of uh, even uh, things like the Exodus and how that even relates to our position as Christians. 
So let's, uh, someone go ahead and read um, uh, Hebrews 3, uh, 1 through uh, 6. We'll start there. Good. So uh, what, what do you see, um, just a couple things, uh, what do you see in this passage, and particularly what do you see as far as perseverance and what's being called for for perseverance in this, this paragraph? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, which is exactly the same sort of thing Colossians is talking about, right? How do you persevere? Keep, first and foremost, keep coming back to the gospel as the root of your whole life. You keep coming back to that reality. Um, and any other things you notice as far as language of uh, perseverance in this? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and here, right, he's talking about Moses, right? Moses, the great deliverer, the one who pulled us out of Egypt, or, you know, that God used to pull us out of Egypt. And he's saying, Christ is superior to Moses, therefore, we keep looking to Jesus because he's our supreme one. He's, he's initiated a greater exodus. He's a greater messenger. Um, and uh, we're his, right? We, we, have, we are called by him. We're his house. And then listen to this at the end, right? We're his house, if indeed... We hold fast our confidence. What is our confidence? Our confidence in Christ, our confidence in the gospel, and our boasting in our hope. Very similar language, actually, to Colossians, right? It's the same thing. Okay, let's move on to the next uh, paragraph. Let's say 7 through, um, uh, let's say 7 through 15, if someone's willing to read 7 through 15. Hebrews 7, uh, 3, 7 through 15.
and yeah, yeah. Um, actually, if, um, Dave, would you mind going to the end of the chapter? Okay, there's a lot there, right? But what is, first off, what Old Testament uh, example is the author of Hebrews drawing on? What's that? Yeah, so Rachel's saying the Exodus, right? And uh, the Exodus and, and the wilderness, right? So you got the Exodus generation. They come out, they're delivered by Moses, you know, God through Moses, delivering his people out. They go through this exodus, this deliverance, which really becomes the paradigm for rescue, even in the whole of Scripture, even as we've been seeing in Matthew. Um, so uh, they've got this rescue, but then we've got the wilderness, right? And what happened in the wilderness? They complained. Uh, and then specifically, what is the author of Hebrews saying uh, the, the heart issue was? Hearts were hardened, Right. Uh, good. And what else uh, did uh, the other language? There's a couple other words that's used of these folks. They're hardened. Um, what else? Disobedient. Disobedient. Okay. What else? Unbelief. Unbelief. That's the word, right? Unbelief, right? So again, we see. Uh, so God's a function. His accomplished this great deliverance, this great salvation, right? And they've seen it, uh, and they've participated in it in a sense, right? But most of them. Uh, die in the wilderness without getting to the rest, a.k.a. the promised land. Uh, why? Because of unbelief, right? Because of unbelief. And in the middle, right, uh, we see this language of perseverance, right? They didn't persevere. Why didn't they persevere? Because of unbelief. Uh, and then he got, we have this exhortation right in the middle. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold fast our original confidence firm to the end. So what is that saying about perseverance? And just that, specifically in verses, say, 12 through, through 14. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. 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 And this is where I, th yeah, exactly. So Susan's asking this question. Well, you know, a lot of people. Uh, you, you know, and even when we start even talking about the language of perseverance, right, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, this starts to, starts to sound like, well, you can lose your salvation. Here's where I find, go back to the two railroad tracks again, right? There's what happens from God's perspective that we don't have all of that perspective, do we, right? We know that the scripture says that anyone whom he saves, 
He elects, he predestines. He has predestined the whole uh, package deal of salvation. Now, the package deal of salvation doesn't just include your initial faith. It includes a life of perseverance in the faith, which, how is that experience? So jump over to the other railroad track. As we live our lives, we don't have all of God's perspective, neither for ourselves nor for others. So how do we experience that package deal of salvation on our railroad track? We experience it as perseverance, right? We experience it as using the means that God has given us to persevere, uh, which first and foremost, what is the foremost means? Going back to the ground, the root of the gospel, our confidence, our initial confidence and hope that we have had, we come back to that first, right? But even here in this, what are other means of grace that God uses to help us persevere? What does it say? In verses 12 through 14, what, what are the means of grace that, um, that God helps us to persevere? Uh, yeah, ex- so Rachel said exhorting one another, and that's the primary thing. So this is where the community of faith, right, uh, or a.k.a. the local church comes in, right? One of the means of perseverance is exhorting one another. Exhorting one another to what? What would we exhort one another to do if we want to persevere in the faith? Yeah, good. And specific, what's that? Love and good works, which is what uh, Hebrews 10, 24 is going to talk about, uh, 24 and 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, right, to stir one another up to love and good works, so it's part of that. Here, right, what's the issue? So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, right? So that's our call to know each other um, uh, as believers, right, and to see, okay, there's sin in your life, there's sin in my life, uh, and that sin will take us down, and uh, it'll destroy, uh, uh, you know, from, for, it'll, it'll, it'll get us hard, it'll take us away from Christ, it'll take away from the goodness of the gospel to the point where it looked like we were initially saved, but we actually weren't, and we're going to fall away, right? So we're not losing our salvation because we were never saved to begin with, but uh, th- what does God ordain? He ordains not only the ends of salvation, but the means of getting there, perseverance, exhorting of one another to uh, fight sin, uh, to continue in the faith, to continue clinging to Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence for, to the end. And he says, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today. And he's linking back to that idea of today that was quoted in that Old Testament passage, right? Uh, he says, right, uh, today, if you hear his voice, voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So think of the children of Israel and the, the, the wilderness, right? They had this great salvation, this great initial deliverance, but why did they fall? They didn't persevere. They didn't keep going in the faith, um, which is his exact point in this. So his implication for the church is exhort one another. Don't go after sin. Be in each other's lives. Identify that. Help each other to grow. Uh, and then later, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, as someone mentioned, stir one another up to love and good deeds, right? Uh, those are means of persevering rooted in the gospel. Any questions, comments on this? These are so, uh, so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and as we give that day as an offer, we 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, you know, that whole comment of idea of uh, you've seen what God did in Egypt. You've seen the rescue. You've seen the provision in the wilderness. You've seen all of these things. And Hebrews' point is, hey, look, that happened with Moses. Jesus is superior to Moses. We have a more superior salvation. So we don't, es- he says in chapter 2, we won't escape uh, unless we, uh, or, um, you know, if we forsake such a great salvation, right? We'll be in the same boat as the people in Israel because of unbelief, unless we continue to cling to Christ and see his supremacy, and see his, the salvation he's wrought, right? So that's always the, you always come back to that gospel root of uh, who is Christ, what has he done, his supremacy, and then uh, along with that, what are the means that Christ has given to help us persevere to, to the end? Yeah, good. Other questions? Uh, I want to make sure we're, we're clear on this. Yeah, David. Yeah. Yeah, prayer. Prayer is another means of grace, right? Uh, that, that's, that's that language we use, right? Like, how do we persevere? What are the means? Uh, we come back to the Gospels, the fruit and the root of all of, or the, the root of all of this, right? Um, what are the means? Well, one of them we see is the local church exhorting one another here. This is why we fellowship afterwards. This is why we uh, do small groups and things like that. This is why we ask you, how's your, how's your walk doing, right? We, we get into each other's hearts uh, to understand, but there's other things too like prayer, like David just mentioned. We, we are praying. We are depending on uh, the power of God. We are depending on the power of the Holy Spirit who has been given us by Christ to persevere, right? So prayer is essential in that. Good. Um, let's go for our remaining time. Um, if you were to keep going, if you want to keep looking at Hebrews for a later time, uh, Hebrews 4 is interesting because it keeps on with the... Um, the, the Exodus analogy, essentially, and says they were unable to enter rest because of unbelief, a.k.a. the promised land. We're still looking forward to that rest. We're still looking forward to the future kingdom. Uh, and he says, strive to enter that rest, right? Work hard. Perseverance is hard work, but it's dependent work on God's grace um, through that. Uh, let's go actually ahead to um, you know, let's go ahead to one more place in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 18. And what you would see if you read Hebrews, you would see a couple things that are very interesting. Uh, one is you would see a bunch of warnings. That's what freaks everyone out about Hebrews is the warning passages, because there's some really stern warnings in Hebrews. There's also a lot of wonderful promises. There's both and. There's um, horrible warnings and wonderful promises. And what are those? Uh, they're for the believer. 
They're for the believer in the sense that they're means that God uses to motivate perseverance. Warnings motivate the believer, and wooings uh, motivate the believer, right? It's a both and. And just to kind of give you a passage that displays that, both the warning and the wooing, uh, you see Hebrews 12, 18 uh, through 29. I'll go ahead and read it for you. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And he's, he's talking about the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Um, that's what he's referencing there. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messengers be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable, innumerable sorry, angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And what's he talking about there, right? Uh, he's talking about the reality that we're part, there's, there's an assembly already in heaven with uh, the saints that have gone before us in heaven, uh, and he's also at the same time, I think, hinting at the reality, right, of God's future kingdom on earth uh, together, so it's a both and going on, but what is that? He's, he's saying, we didn't come to Mount Sinai, this like gloomy mountain, we're coming to this glorious mountain that's going to happen, and this glorious city that's going to happen in the future, so what is that? That's promise. That's promise of reward, of rest, to use the language earlier on that he uses, to what? To motivate perseverance. In the scope of the whole letter, that's what he's doing. He's motivating perseverance. Look at what's ahead. It's amazing. It's glorious. So persevere. See Christ as supreme. See what he's purchased for us. But then you get the flip side in verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, on Mount Sinai, uh, when the giving of the law much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And you see it. It's all mixed together, right? The promise of reward and how beautiful it is, and yet at the same time, if that's how good the reward is, how, how great the fall is if you refuse, if you don't persevere in the faith. Um, and it's both and, right? The warnings and the wooings help you to persevere in the faith. Uh, yeah, Susan. Yes. Yeah. Right. 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 Right.
Exactly. It's it's a helpful. So yeah, that whole idea that um, God sees, God decrees everything that happens, right, including salvation. Salvation's a package deal. It's not just the initial point. It's the perseverance and it's the end, right? He purchased Christ purchased all of that. So that's on his railroad track, right? He sees all of that. He knows all of that. We don't. So we're on our railroad track, and how do we experience that reality that God himself is calling into existence? We experience it as persevering. We experience it as, wow, I need to take heed of that warning. I need to take heed of the promise uh, in order to, uh, to keep going. I need to be praying. I need to be with the body. I need to be with the local church. I need someone speaking into my life, calling me out on sin. Uh, I need uh, someone stirring me up to love and good deeds, right, in order to make it to the end. Christ has purchased those things to help us make it to the end. Yeah, yeah, good. Other comments uh, on this this idea? Perseverance, what Hebrews is talking about, warnings or wooings. Yeah. Witnesses, yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The whole the whole book of Hebrews is just it doesn't take it. It's a sermon, uh, and it takes you about an hour if you read it from cover to cover, all in one go, and just go. Um, and don't pause that much, although there's a lot to think about. But, um, but if you were to just sit down and read it cover to cover, it's about uh, an hour-ish, uh, right? And um, just all the language of perseverance. And when you encounter the warnings, there's all these stern warnings. What do you do with them? They're for believers, but they're for believers in the sense that a true believer will respond to them and say, ah, I don't want to go that way. Uh, I want to persevere, right? And then they hear the promises of reward of what Christ is doing. Uh, what Christ has purchased, uh, and the, the the need to cling to Christ, to cling to initial salvation, uh, or uh, what Christ has purchased in initial salvation, to make it to the end. Yeah, Julie. I think there's some really important things that you really shouldn't have one without the other, mm. and that initially is the root. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's a book um, by Mike Riccardi. At, um, he's a pastor at, uh, at Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church, but he has this little book on sanctification, and he talks about these means of grace. And one of the means he grace he talks about is exactly what you're saying, Julie, is obedience. Obedience itself is a means of grace. Trusting God that it's like, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to trust you, God, and I'm going to go. And God uses that as a means of grace to help us persevere um, in the faith. So, yeah. One last thing I would want to draw your attention to just as we close is Revelation. And just this idea of perseverance. Revelation is really written to give hope and to give perseverance. It's not meant to freak you out and, you know, and uh, help you set up your timetables or all that particularly. It's designed for the church to see, okay, here's what's coming, therefore 
persevere. Um, therefore, persevere. And uh, especially when you look at the letters to the seven churches, you see that language. Uh, I've highlighted it before, I think, in sermons, but I, I like it. I'll, I'll highlight it again. You see at the end, uh, now this is Jesus talking, right? So this is Jesus talking to the churches, his churches, um, and he's, he, uh, at the end of each one, he has this language of conquering, which would be a way of talking about perseverance. Uh, so I'm going to bounce through these pretty quick. Hebrews 2, or excuse me, not Hebrews, Revelation 2, uh, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. There's a need to persevere to the end. Uh, and what you see, each one of these promises of conquering, like uh, eating of the tree of life in the paradise of God, you see that at the very end of Revelation. You see each of these elements that's being spoken of here, you see it at the very end in Revelation, and, uh, and it ties it together. Um, Verse 11, chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Again, the language of perseverance. Uh, Hebrews 2, uh, let's say 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on, that stone, on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Um, uh, let's say 2.26, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star, which is another name for Christ, just giving him himself uh, as the ultimate gift. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Chapter 3, verse uh, 5. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, 3.12, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. That final, ultimate temple made up of people, right? It's the whole universal church uh, of all ages uh, being brought together as that temple at the end. A pillar in the temple of my God, never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, in 3.21, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also uh, conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we got all this idea of conquering, and what is held out in order to help you conquer. The reward, right? The, the final end of what Christ has purchased um, for those who believe in him. Also, warnings, avoiding the second death, right? Uh, how do you avoid the second death? By perseverance, dependent on Christ. And then finally, skip over to Revelation 21, the very end, you see the language picked up again. And you see it throughout as well. Um, there's a, there's a point at which it'll say, here's a call for the perseverance of the saints, right? So it's just that theme of, uh, um, of endurance throughout, no matter what persecution might, might come. But Revelation 21, 1 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, a coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Beautiful, right? Uh, that's part of the reward, but ke- it keeps going. And he who, has, he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give to the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers, there's our perseverance language again, will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Again, you see it. Warning and wooing, right? The end is wonderful. What is the end? Being Dwelling with God as his son, that intimacy of relationship, and all the extra things that are around that just are kind of like a, a, a amplifying that main diamond of of enjoying God for eternity, but then there's also the warning, right? The warning that if you don't conquer, if you don't persevere, here's what the end looks like. And both are used by, by, by God, by Christ, to help his people persevere to the end, which is just another, it's just a corollary to all that we've been talking about with gospel life. Any questions um, before, before we, we close? Okay, well, if you have more questions after we're done here, well, you can always ask me. I'm always available for that. Uh, just another, we, just to, one thing, we've already talked about a couple of the, these, but again, what are the means of perseverance? The gospel first and foremost, coming back to that, scripture, rehearsing those gospel truths, learning and growing in Christ, prayer, the local church, mutual discipleship, those are all means that Christ is using to bring his people to the end. And it just helps us to remember, it's like we can't forsake those things without grave danger to our spiritual walk. So let's go ahead and pray. Christ, we thank you for the salvation that you have brought us to. Uh, Lord, we look forward to it. We long for it. Uh, We long for you. We long to be with you, to know you face to face as we know you in part now through your spirit indwelling us and through your word. Uh, Lord, we long for the future. Um, Lord, help us to persevere. Help us to endure no matter what. Guard us from being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Help us to heed your warnings and your promises to make it. Uh, Lord, I pray that none in this room would fail to make it. Um, I pray that you would, um, that we could encourage one another, that we could speak truth to one another, that we would call each other out on sin for the purpose of helping each other persevere. Help us to make it, Lord Jesus, because you are the great good, our great joy, and we long for you. Thank you for this time together and this time in this series. In your name, amen.